Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. My name's Matt Southcombe and I'm your host today and I'm joined by rugby writers Andy Howell and Simon Thomas. Good afternoon, boys. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I will just add that Andy is actually sat upside down at the moment because he spends so much time looking at the Australian squad. So it's going to be a different kind of podcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, before we get going, a bit of housekeeping now. Make sure you uh, subscribe to us on whatever podcast provider that you use. Provide us with some uh, reviews and some ratings and let us know your thoughts. If you know, all good or bad, we're all ears. And uh, of course, just send us a few tweets if you've got any other comments about the show. But now we've got that out of the way, let's get kicking. Andy, I'll come to you first. Obviously, as Simon alluded to, Australia have named their squad overnight. It's been a bit of a, a busy morning for yourself, catching up with everything that's gone on over there. What, what's your thoughts on the side that they've named or the squad that they've named for the World Cup? Yes, the squad I expected, uh, really. Um, they've only gone with two uh, scrum halves, Will Virginia and Nick White, which uh, Michael Checker, the coach, did at the uh, last World Cup. They only picked two scrum halves. Uh, of course, Japan's not really that far away from Australia, so it's easier for them than Wales to call uh, for a replacement. If anything happened to one of those uh, number nines, uh, David Pocock's in the squad. He's had this long-standing calf injury, the latest. Um, obviously, he's a, um, they picked him in there. But uh, whether or not he would make the World Cup's different matter. Michael Looper's the uh, uh, captain. He said, um, despite the result last weekend against New Zealand when he lost 36-0, I don't think that scoreline actually reflected the match. Australia were uh, uh, right in it in the first half, just didn't take their chances, missed some simple uh, goal kicks. I think it's more important to focus on their record win over the All Blacks uh, the previous week to see how dangerous they are. And, of course, those guys are all in this uh, squad uh, they've got a lot more beef up front. It's quite a dangerous pack. Who I actually think might attack Wales at the uh, at the scrum, and their backs has um, plenty of cr- uh, creativity there. Plus, you've got the the punch of uh, of Karevi, who they're talking about as the main man at the World Cup. Everything's going to be going uh, uh, through him. So yes, it's a dangerous squad. Wales did beat them in the autumn for the first time since two thousand and eight. Wales can beat them again. But uh, looking at that squad, it could be a heck of a match. So I'll bring you in on that. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. The, the, uh, how, you know, looking back on that win, we, we made a lot of it at the time. You know, first time they'd won in a decade against Australia, etc. Um, how important was that victory, do you think? It's funny, whenever we play Australia in this World Cup coming up, which seems to have happened a lot over the years, yeah. it's always a question of how much of an impact will this result have? People say, oh, the World Cup's different, blah, 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 blah. I actually think it did have quite a big impact psychologically because to have gone into the World Cup with that, you know, barren run against the Wallabies having continued, it would have been sort of, I think, at the back of the players' minds, it never would have some impact. So I think it's been, you know, it's been a big plus. Obviously, you know, one country, I think, if we lose that game, but it does give you sort of optimism, you know, along with Wales's record winning run. When I looked at that squad, um, this morning, the thing that struck me, I think, you know, looking at it from, you know, our listeners and readers' point of view, I think they'll be quite familiar with the back division. There's a lot of names they'll know if you look at Genia, uh, Foley, Leofano, James O'Connor back in the mix, you know, Karevi we've talked about, um, you know, Ashley, Cooper, Ashley Cooper's Cooper, there. Yeah. So there's a lot of recognisable names there. Whereas the forwards, to a lot of sort of uh, people, the, perhaps the names won't be so familiar. And, I think it is interesting, particularly the, the, the whole issue with Pocock, and now we're going to discuss that, because um, 
I think he's well. He has been, in my view, one of the one of the finest players I've ever watched play the game. Absolutely true. And if we talk about McCaw, great players. We've seen a lot of great sort of back row players in Wales and England over the years. But Pocock, um, I think, is especially over the ball. I don't think I've ever seen really like him over the ball. It's just impossible to move. So his fitness to me is absolutely pivotal to their success. And just touching on that, then before we go any further, I had a chat with uh, Tom Decent of the Sydney Morning Herald uh, just a little bit earlier to get a bit of a feel for what the Australians are thinking after they've named their squad. So we're joined on the Welsh Rugby Podcast now by Tom Decent, uh, rugby writer at the Sydney Morning Herald down in Australia. Tom, I appreciate you giving us your time. I know it's late down there and it's been a busy day for you guys with the squad coming out today. So just give us a feel for what the sort of news lines were from that squad for you guys. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a uh, young and old flavour, I suppose. The two main talking points were Jordan Patel, 19-year-old kid, uh, who plays for the Queensland Reds, who came within a whisker of debuting against Italy last year. Uh, he's sort of been on the periphery, been injured a little bit, but hasn't even played for Australia yet. But um, there's some talk that he might debut against Samoa in a couple of weeks. Um, but he's been named in the World Cup squad, so that's a big boost. Um, he's the youngest Wallaby um, to be named in a World Cup squad, so that's quite an achievement and something that's got everyone talking down here. And on the flip side, you've got a guy 16 years older than him in Adam Ashley Cooper at his fourth World Cup, only the second Australian to do so. Uh, he also hasn't played a lot of minutes. He's only played about 180-odd minutes, I believe, in the last sort of three or four years since the last World Cup. But very much a Michael Checker fan, played at the Waratahs under Checker, um, played in Italy last year in a couple of minutes, or about, I think, 12 minutes off the bench against the All Blacks. So he's back in the frame. Um, David Pocock is there. Obviously, we know his prowess breakdown and how important he is to the Australian side. Uh, the Australians have gone with three hookers and only two halfbacks as a result of um, being you know, concerned that they might go down a hooker with concussion or whatever, and they've got a couple of six-day uh, turnarounds. So yeah, they're the main talking points. But overall, no major surprises um, in terms of personnel. Yeah, just talk to us a bit more about uh, David Pocock then, because obviously not not played a lot of rugby of late, and you know fans up here will obviously be very much aware of what he can do at the breakdown and and can be quite a nuisance there. So what what sort of state is he in heading into the World Cup? The bizarre one. I mean, the Brumby said you know early on in the Super Rugby season that it was a you know relatively minor calf injury, and you know it's sort of words leaked out that it's a little bit more rare um, and it's going to take a little bit longer than first thought. So they've tried to not put an end date on it. I mean, David hasn't played Pocock. David hasn't played rugby since uh, early uh, March. So there's some talk that he's going to need 60 or 70 minutes in this um, pre-World Cup fixture in a fortnight's time against Samara. He's going to need probably 60 or 70 minutes there. Um, he, I mean, he's a guy that obviously doesn't need to play a lot of minutes to be fit. He's a super fit individual as it is. Um, I suppose now the question is, you know, if he is fit and he's good to go for that first game against Fiji and then ultimately Wales in that second pool game that Australia has where he fits into the mould. We've got Michael Hooper, who's the captain at seven. We know that David played at number eight at the 2015 World Cup. Um, He's a player of instrumental value um, into that team. So whether you play him and Hooper again, I'm not sure. There's some talk maybe playing him off the bench, but... Um, yeah, he's coming back into fitness, but you know there is a little conspiracy theory over here that perhaps maybe it's all smoke and mirrors and he may not be fit for the World Cup. But 
you know, we've been told a number of times that he's very, very close. So um, all word is that he will play in a fortnight's time. So we'll see how he goes. Okay, and then obviously you touched on Jordan Patea then, a name very unfamiliar in these parts. Just talk a little bit more about what sort of what what Wales fans can kind of expect from him really, and what his skill set is, and and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it would be probably unlikely to throw him in at 13. Um, there's some talk that he might play on the wing against Samoa. His preferred position is 13. So, I mean, he could play outside Samu Karevi, who's, you know, an excellent ball-carrying centre there at 12 and play outside him. Yeah, there's big wraps on Jordan. Um, he is a talented young kid. His defence is excellent. As we know, the 13 channel is very difficult um, to defend that, but he's got a very good grasp on that. Hasn't played a whole lot of footy. I mean, he's played two Super Rugby games this year. Uh, I think he played 11 the season before in his debut season in 2018. As I said, came within a whisker of debuting. So people wouldn't have seen a whole lot about him, but um, he had a game across the ditch in New Zealand in Super Rugby this year, which was outstanding. So um, lots of lots of hype around this kid. He's 19. Um, he could play the next four World Cups, someone was saying today, which is rather scary. Yeah. Um, a guy who idolised you know, Matt Gitto growing up. Uh, so there's a lot of raps in this kid and not many people would have seen a lot of him so if he does pop up I'd be surprised if he popped up in Australia's first two games against Fiji and Wales but you never know if he comes up against Uruguay and Georgia in the next two games um, plays well you know who knows he could you know march on into a quarter if the you know the Wallabies qualify yeah, and just on a on a wider note, with with the Wallabies at the moment, then obviously the a great win against the All Blacks a few weeks ago, and then things go a little bit wrong in uh, in Eden Park. So, what's the sort of feeling in Australia around the Wallabies at the moment? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pessimism post 2018. They'd won 17 of 42 tests, not going great. Michael Checker close to losing his job. Um, they had a bit of a rejig of the selection panel. You know, a little bit more optimism. Super Rugby was okay. Um, Brumby's making a semi-final, which is you know okay, I suppose, for an Australian side. Then you, you, know, you go away to Africa and lose, beat Argentina by a small margin in Brisbane, and things weren't looking rosy. But then you know you smash the All Blacks by an equal record margin, um, the most points ever scored by a team against the All Blacks. And yeah, they had 14 players for 40 minutes, but I think most people would agree the Wallabies were better for 40 minutes. And you know how crucial that red card was. You know, you can debate that, but it showed on their day that they can play to their best. And I think that's the best rugby they played since the World Cup. Just gave a little bit of um, optimism and energy to everyone down here. And people thought, OK, this is this is what they've been building to. And this is what we've been hearing them say for the last three years. They're trying to do and they can do that. Yeah, they get pumped 36-0 the week <laughs> after and, it's, you know, potentially you know one step forward two steps back but at least people have seen something and they know that you know the all blacks you know are going to be playing the wallabies in a world cup final potentially at eden park it's going to be in japan um in yokohama so it's going to be something different a neutral venue which helps everyone so um to to sum up yeah probably more optimistic than a month ago but you know brought back to reality with that loss over there but you know Knowing what they can produce is exciting, um, considering how poor the Wallabies, I suppose, have been over the years to a certain extent since the World Cup. So, and just uh, touching on Wales, then, what, how are Wales uh, perceived down in Australia? Obviously, they've gone number one in the world now. You know, people can debate back and forth their views on the rankings and things like that. What, what's the sort of feeling in Australia about Wales? Obviously, because they they got the kind of monkey off their back in November as well, f- finally getting a win over the Wallabies for the first time in ten years or whatever it was. So, how how are they perceived uh, down under? Uh, a tricky proposition, obviously. 
um, you know, the Wallabies will be talking about that first game. You know, they talk about Fiji, Fiji, Fiji. We need to plan for that, everything. But the reality is that Wales is their hardest game in the pool, right? So a lot of, you know, energy and devotion is going to that. They would know right now what their best 15 is for that Wales game. That's the game they need to win to obviously top the pool unless something disastrous happens against Fiji, Georgia or Uruguay, right? So mm-hmm. that's, um, you know, they've watched Wales's progression, you know, you would you could argue that, you know, as much as they would never say it, they probably thought they had a psychological advantage against Wales, and then they get pipped, what, 9-6 at um, Millennium there yeah. last year. So, you know, ended that 12 or 13 game winning streak. So that just puts a little bit of doubt in their mind. You know, Warren Gallagher's a very astute coach. We know what he's capable of. And, um, you know, I suppose when you compare now to when the World Cup draw came out, you know, everyone was saying it was the easiest probably pull there is and you could argue that, you know, obviously Wales, Wales side is a very good side in Australia, but, you know, Wales are far more of a threat than they were when that World Cup draw came out. Everyone's very wary of what they can do. The world number one ranking, yeah, you can argue back and forward as to whether the merit of that, you know, there's a Southern Hemisphere view that perhaps, you know, the All Blacks are still the number one in the world and whatever, that's other people's opinion. But um, very, very tricky proposition. And, you know, that game um, is going to be fantastic. And that's, you know, the game of the pool stage for the Wallabies, and they're targeting that for sure, and won't be underestimating the Welsh at all, and watching very, very closely um, they're up to. All right, listen, Tom, I won't keep you any longer. I appreciate you giving us some time. I know it's late at night down there, so um, yeah, appreciate your time, and we'll see you in Japan. All good. Cheers. So that's the view from down under then, chaps. Uh, let's move into a little bit of what Tom touched on there. Uh, Andy, I'll come to you first. Um, the, the immediate thing that jumps out is perhaps there's a, a slight, still a bit of an issue with David Pocock. Obviously, he hasn't played at all this year, which is a concern in itself. And, um, you know, suggestions that he may, may be struggling and, and needs certainly to prove his fitness in this warm-up match before Japan. Yeah, that warm-up match takes place on September the 7th, so I would assume he's got to play in that game, really. It was a massive uh, uh, gamble to take him to the World Cup. Reminds me of the situation, Gethin Jenkins, before the 2011 uh, World Cup. I think he's hardly played for uh, uh, since the, the um, since the February, same January, in, February. Same injury as well. Uh, same injury, a lot of calf problems, and you know they keep reoccurring, don't they? Mm-hmm. And then Gethin turned up and played in... Uh, Later in the World Cup, he wasn't fit for the first couple of games, but then he come in. Of course, Pocock is known for his fitness, super fit, super strong. But position he plays, it'd be very difficult, isn't it? Because of uh, um, you know he's a lot of running round, and if he hasn't been doing much running round, he could be on a bike or whatever. But it's a different, slightly different type of fitness, isn't it? Having looked at that squad, Andy, if Pocock and Hooper, you know, two real world class players, are both fit. Who joins them in the back row realistically? Well, the, t- the talk is down under. Mine only one of them will play. Really? Because Pocock's played captain. eight on occasions in the past. Yeah, yeah. but they've also built their, you know, they built their back row up a bit now. So who do you so, expect so, to uh, see? Nizarani bloke. Nizarani's been a huge hit for him. Yeah, yeah. I'm you know, not so the, you know, they, you know, they sort of saying he's going to be playing at six, whatever. He's a big so, boy as well. Yeah. Because you know that's what they've lacked, isn't it, in recent years, Australia? Mm. They had, even though they've had those two in the back back row, it's been a bit lightweight in some respects. And uh, but you know they muscled up their pack uh, generally, so I, I'd be surprised if both of them play. But of course, then you've got Hooper's captain. Does that mean he would be preferred to heard of uh, as Pocock in it as backup or to come off the bench? Well, that's certainly what what Tom Tom seemed to refer to. Obviously, you've got Hooper there as as your captain. You're not going to have your captain coming off the bench. So, but ju- just on Pocock, so you were going to touch on it before, and just 
you know, to lose a player of that quality, it'd be a, a pretty sizable blow. A blow for the tournament as well. Yeah. You know, we, we've looked at a few players. I did a team this week of players who've been not going to be involved in the World Cup for one reason or another. And it'd be very sad to see Pocock join that. I mean, I know him playing against you makes your life a lot more difficult, but just a fine, fine player and a fine human being as well. You know, he's been well documented. The, the, what he's done off the field as well in sort of the standards he sets there and the campaigns he supports um, but it is interesting I remember a story probably two or three months ago where it seemed almost certainly wasn't going so this clearly is an issue and as we've said before you look at Gethin Jenkins calf injuries they, it's a weird one they just seem to be ones that linger on and linger on and they're so important for an explosive player as well so hey I guess he'll know what his body shape is like and we'll probably learn a bit more over the coming weeks but yeah either way whether Wales or we're playing them or not I hope he does make the World Cup because I enjoy watching him play well I, I hope he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> because it's good, it's, it's good news for Wales if he doesn't play because that bloke has been a, a thorn in our side on so many occasions yeah you know, he's got on over the ball, he's killed us so, so much. Man. So, you know, so keep him away from there. I hope he's there as a pundit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, another thing that came up there is there still seems to be a. Uh, there, was a there were a few. Thomas complimentary of Wales, uh, um, but he did point out that there is still perhaps uh, you could go back and forth on Wales' ranking as the number one side in the world. Uh, seems to be a bit of. Not, not just the. Uh, uh, Tom, but uh, across the board, a few pundits have spoken down under this week, and in New Zealand, there's perhaps still a bit of reticence there about Welsh's, sorry, Welsh's, Wales's uh, spot on top of the rankings. Yeah, it certainly is, because the one thing I've noticed when trawling around today is that the Aussies are hardly mentioned in Wales. Uh, you know, they're talking about winning the World Cup and all. Wales, so they've never heard of us. Number one in world ranking, Six Nations Kings, Grand Slam. All they're talking about is New Zealand, England, and South Africa. So to me, straight away, that's, that shows where they think the real dangers uh, lie. I think because they've beaten us so many times over the years, they just tend to take us for granted. Mm-hmm. And they've written off that game last autumn because they came here with a bit of a substandard uh, uh, um, squad end of season feel about about them. And, uh, you know, Wales only still only won, narrowly won that game. I honestly think there's a, you know, the view down there is, you know, it's only Wales we can beat them when it comes to a proper match, but they could be in for a surprise this time. It's going to take a while to change perceptions, isn't it? You know, and hopefully we'll keep this run going over not just a year, not just the World Cup, but, you know, over a number of years. And that's how you change perception. There's a reason why New Zealand are revered because they've been producing the results for so many years. Australia for year after year after year beat Wales. So you can understand from their perspective why they would probably focus on the overall record. And yeah, and perhaps there's not so much focus on the Six Nations over there are as, you know, as, as we are so obviously focused on it here. So yeah, but at the end of the day, Wales got, you know, currently, until this weekend anyway, number one in the world. And, and uh, I think that's to be respected. And I just hope that when they go to the World Cup, they can deliver a scale of performance that justifies that, that rating and that status. Yeah. You, you know, even if Wales finish runners-up in that group... They, they would still go through um, to play England eh? to play not England. necessarily England have got to win their group and you know the French could be on the march I don't think you can write Argentina <laughs> off but you know England are favourites in that group but there's no guarantee they will win that group it's not a certainty same as it's not a certainty that Australia or Wales are going to win this group let's don't entirely discount Fiji However, I think it's hugely important come the World Cup that Wales qualify for the quarterfinals as group winners which means beating Australia 
because I think that psychologically that would be uh, that would be huge and I would send out a message to the rest of the world plus it would give those Welsh players who are already riding high on confidence even more I would also show that we're playing well which is the key thing really isn't it yeah absolutely because we will have to play well to beat Australia because when you look at that squad they are likely to score 24 points against Wales in our match so Wales are going to have to score heavily themselves to win they're gonna, that game they're going to score 24 points against a Welsh defensor yeah I think so without, uh, if they get the ball they had against the All Blacks in uh, Perth and actually last weekend as well uh, without dangerous their backs are and how creative they are they will pose problems the, serious problems yeah this has traditionally been the issue when, when you know Gatlin's had such success in Europe in Six Nations level quite often in games perhaps where the scoring isn't that high I mean well then you come up against the, the Southern Hemisphere sides particularly in New Zealand and Australia and they do tend to score 20, 25, 30 points against Wales now Wales generally in winning their games what was the scoreline last week? 13-6 you know you do tend to get a lot of games in the Northern Hemisphere where there are relatively low scoring games when you play the Southern Hemisphere teams unless your defence is absolutely optimum to win those games, you probably need to score 25 points. Yeah, that's and, what Wales has said in the past, isn't it? Gatlin said it himself. And that's a challenge, isn't it? That's yeah. a challenge for Wales because they haven't been scoring a huge amount of points. We wait to see come the World Cup whether there'll be a greater attacking threat from Wales. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, you boys have both been to, the World, uh, to Japan and the conditions for the World Cup are supposed to say going to be hot and humid. So that uh, means players are likely to tire uh, more quickly in matches. Which uh, I know the substitutes, but games are likely to open up as a result of uh, fatigue. So quite a few points could actually be scored during the tournament. Yeah, when you can, I've been when I was out in Japan. That's just about the hottest I've ever known covering a, an international, both in Osaka and in Tokyo. I mean, admittedly that was in June, so it's a different time of the year. But I think we see that the humidity level is going to be very high up during the tournament. So you can certainly understand why Wales are putting such a focus on fitness, both in, in the Switzerland camp and now in the warm weather camp in Turkey. Um, so yes, absolutely, fitness is going to be at an optimum. And Andy's right. When scores tend to come and when the games open up, that's when you can really rack up those points to take you to the 25-30. You might need to beat these teams. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see whether Wales can flick that attacking switch more effectively in the World Cup. OK, so we're going to have a little uh, selection meeting now. Obviously, Warren Gatlin and his coaching staff uh, have got a few things to decide. It's, it's supposed to be a bit of an experimental side against Ireland, a bit of a last-chance saloon for a few of the players who have yet to be seen in action in these warm-up matches. So before we get cracking, Andy, you can be Rob Howley, a young scrum half-back in your day. <laughs> so I, uh, you can be Robin McBride, the uh, seasoned professional over there, and I'll be Warren Gatlin, so I have the final say on all the decisions. So let's start a fullback then. And what are we thinking there? I'm thinking leave Halfpenny again because of uh, I think he needs game time. You know he's parachuted in virtually the last minute for the match against uh, England when uh, Liam had a tight hamstring in uh, doing the warm up. Uh, it's his first match for England since he uh, for Wales, sorry, uh, since that being cast against Australia last November. And uh, initially he was perhaps a little bit uh, unsure, but his confidence grew. 
as the uh, match went on. And I think he's in uh, urgent need of uh, game time for Wales. And uh, so I would pick him. You know, I would keep Liam Williams in co- uh, Cotton Wool for this week because uh, you don't want that uh, hamstring uh, rearing up. And we all know what Liam can do anyway. He was decent at uh, trucking him. So I've got no qualms about Liam uh, missing games. I think it's great to have another look at that. I, I just wonder, though, that if the plan originally which we suspect was Liam playing in the second, in the first two games against England and then maybe Halfpenny coming in for this first game against Ireland, might they now switch it round? If they wanted Liam to have two games at this point, might he then come in at full-back for this first game in Miss Ireland? That, that's the only caveat I would throw in. But I take your point that if there was any kind of concern about the hamstring, whether there might be a reoccurrence, it might, might be a cotton job. But that's why I just wonder whether Liam might start possibly. Well, I, I'd also as well have uh, Halfpenny's first try goal kick in this uh, game. Halloween Moss? Uh, I'd have him on a wing. On a wing? Yeah. He seems to be seen primarily by Wales as a winger. That's where he's played. Um, so I, I, in my team, I had Hallam Amos and um, Owen Lane as the two wings. And everyone's been waiting for Owen Lane to get a chance for Wales. He's had been unlucky with various injuries, knocking him back when squads have come up. He had another injury just before this squad was announced, but he's OK, he's come through. Uh, yeah, be, there'd be really enthusiasm and excitement to see him play because he has been one of the most exciting players of the last eighteen months I in world rugby. I think Owen Lane has to get a chance, doesn't he, Andy? Yeah, definitely, absolutely. You know, I'd have him on the. Uh, you know, he could be a bolter for the uh, World Cup because even though he started on our wing at uh, regional level, really he was a centre, and Wales are shorter centres and cover at centre. I'd love to see him on a wing. I'd love to see him utilise off the wing in midfield, taking flat passes as well, pass off the scrum half or the outside half. And you're pushing himself in a frame to perhaps go to the World Cup to cover a couple of positions. Mm. You know, he was uh, some aspects of his game are raw, but he's a he's an intelligent player, and he certainly knows that way to the try line. He's right up Gatlin Street, you know, in, this, in terms of his size, in terms of his pace, directness. He can yep. play both ways. He can he can be a carrier coming slightly more in field, bringing his um, experience in the centre. I, I watched him play age grade in Cardiff over the years. Happened to be in the same age group as my son when I was watching and helping out on that side of things. And every year, every year he'd come along, and he was the best centre come along when he's playing through Rabina. And it's great to see someone who you saw at that young age really fulfilling that potential they're coming through. You know, it was a bit of a wobble when he perhaps wasn't progressing as much, then went away with Will Sevens. He says that really helped him in terms of his sharpness. And he's come back. Opportunity came with Jitterinji's of the Blues. And he hasn't looked back really apart from the injuries. And he, he is a predator. You know, he knows his way to the try line. And defenders will not like playing against someone with his pace, his size, and his running lines. Yeah, okay. And are we agreed that uh, Hallam Amos is on the other wing? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Steph Evans seems to have drifted right out of the reckoning, whether it's with for the Scarlets or for Wales. And uh, Jonah Holmes, he is taking a part in training in uh, Turkey, uh, full part, you know, but he had an hamstring operation in uh, uh, May. I mean, all three of them in need of game time, but I think looking at the World Cup, unless they're going to take Holmes to the World Cup as a third scrum half. Oh, you're still on, you still on play, that one, are you? Unless that, I can't see him going otherwise. And I think Amos is more likely to go than um, 
Steph Evans, and it was significant that he must have warming up with the Wales team before the match with England uh, last weekend. And of course, he can also cover fullback. And know, only- he played really well for Wales actually in Argentina as a fullback. Yeah. But I can't see him being a fullback in a World Cup ahead of either Liam Williams or Lee. Alfred. Yeah, the only caveat to this is if if he really wants to look and pretty much everybody who hasn't been seen yet before he names his squad. There's 14 players, by the way. I'm then, then you could, if they were fit, see either Holmes. Or Amos playing fullback, opening the way for Steph, or Amos or Holmes to come on the wing. It depends. Does he want to see everyone before he names the squad, or is he only perhaps thinking? Well, realistically, there's five or six players who could force their way in. I'll look at those. I think that's probably the more likely scenario. Yeah. Okay. Then moving into the centres, I, I don't think we need to spend too long on this one. No. Um, seems like a pretty straightforward selection of uh, Scott Williams and I know in Watkin in there wrapping up the. Uh, the other two in Cottonwall, Hadley Parks and John Davis. Does that sound about Which right? Which way around, Andy, do you think? Well, there? I would have Scott Williams at 12 because I think he's a footballer myself, though some people at the Ospreys pointed out this being the other way around. I mean, I had it. Played it. When they Scott played, only played, I think, eight times for the uh, Ospreys. Um, I think Owen is, you know, Owen, you know, if you look at Owen's strength, you know, he seems in your head to be more of a 12, quite a direct runner. He will take the first line-up. Um, Scott has the experience to play 13, so I, I'd probably think they'd go the other way with Owen Watkins at 12. Scott is a footballer though and he he's is, more like yeah. a Southern Hemisphere type uh, type. Just that he's had experience centre. at outside centre. You yeah. know, I want to see Scott Williams doing well because when you look at his record he has been excellent for Wales. He's been, a, you know, uh, he's made some key interventions, scored some key tries against for Wales. 2012 Grand Slam against England at Twickenham off the bench. 2015 I think it was against Ireland scored a, a, a try which turned that game and uh, you know he's too good player to miss out on a World Cup if he's fit he he's good and he should be pushing Adley Parks for that 12 jersey that's why I'd play him at 12 because Parks has been fairly quiet in those two matches against England can you believe it's seven and a half years mm. since he ripped mm. that ball of court you know, yeah. seven and a half where's that time yeah. gone you know? like 28, 28 yeah it shows how young he was when he yeah. broke into the World Cup. and Owen Watkin despite you know he's 15 times for Wales but he started just uh, five matches he needs uh, he needs to start games and uh, and start imposing himself on uh, on games, yeah, you can argue he hasn't had the opportunity, but he needs a game like this to show what he can do against the Irish. Well, it, what interests me, if you think back to his last high-profile game, which was the playoff at the end of last season, Scarlett against the Ospreys, um, he came up against the Wales centre partnership of uh, Jonathan Davis and Hadi Parks, and he was man of the match that day. He was outstanding, showing that really he is developing, and I think benefiting from the amount of time he has spent in the Welsh squad. This is a big game for him. Mm. This really is, because... You know, he does offer something slightly different with his uh, his upper body strength. Which he's outstanding at the rip and the tackle, which is such a big thing now in terms of turning over ball. And he is a direct, strong runner. So uh, he's had his injury problems, but hopefully now he can really come in firing from this. I, I like going walking. It's an interesting game, isn't it? Because those two are, are, well, really going up against each other, aren't they? Spot. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. going to be <laughs> it's going to be the old uh, I'm not passing, pass, yeah, I'm passing you the ball, yeah. son. I'd be like Mike, Mike Gall and Jiffy were together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would expect them both to go to the World Cup. How do you, you? How'd you work that out? Yeah, four centers. How? That doesn't add up. Well, why don't it add up? It only take two scrum halves. All oh, right, like the Aussies but, are done. So who's your other scrum that's half then? Half. Well, that's it. we'll come to that. Isn't <laughs> no, no. Who's your, who's, if you only take two scrum halves. Well, Gatlin said we're either going to take two or three scrum halves or two or three outside halves, basically. You know. So all right. Speaking of five half, five half backs. Then speaking of the outside halves, hmm. who well, is starting against Ireland? Well, Jared Evans, because he's clearly higher than uh, Patchell in the pecking order because he's on the bench uh, uh, last weekend. 
Though I did notice on pictures from Turkey that Pacho was uh, training on a side with Thomas Williams, who was, you know, was coming back from a shoulder injury. So you wonder if Pacho's carrying any knock, or I wonder. Yeah. Uh, because he didn't seem to be on the main pipes, on the fringe doing some stuff with some you know, bag work. And you'd expect it to be Jared Evans because he was on the bench last time, which you know points to him being maybe slightly higher up the pecking order than Patchell. So you'd think that would be the case with you know one of them getting 55, 60 minutes and the other it, one getting half an hour. Whoever they see as backup to Dan Bigger at the World Cup has got to start this match. Who do you, who do you see as backup to Dan Bigger? Well, at the moment, uh, Jared Evans. Uh, you know, I am seen, we haven't seen any, actually, seen any training sessions. So we're not really privy to what's happening with Patchell, having, uh, following his well-documented problems of our season. Mm. Um, you know, concussion, uh, hamstring problem loss of confidence so we don't you know got and sounded some positive noises but we don't know because we you know we haven't seen it and you know I would thought they thought Patchell was ready he would definitely been on a bench last weekend because of course he's got a lot more experience at international level and played excellently for Wales in Argentina in Argentina um what was that last summer wasn't it man yeah last summer yeah and uh, but uh, with Jared being uh, picked and Gatlin really talked Jared up and when Gatlin talks a player up that's always a sign to me that I've got boys right in the reckoning Sorry, what what gives you the confidence that Jared Evans can control a test match from the start well we don't know we don't know I mean I've watched this kid for years you know and seen his development and control was always a big thing particularly in terms of his kicking game it wasn't something that really came well it came naturally to him but the way he was kicking was was always a slight cause of concern again too technical speaking to the coach it was always about the way he angled his body and they would work on a particular style of kicking for him and and then during under pressure in a game he'd revert to another style and it, it, he had he had taken a long time to get to, to deal with it there's never been an issue about his ball handling his passing in particular his running game I, I think he's the most Arguably the most exciting running playoff in European rugby, and it's a big statement. But I haven't seen a lot of him. Or better, Joey Cabri. Yeah, I think he can terrify. He terrorises defences from his day when he when he is in a running game. Um, so he's had to work at developing an all-round game, and he's had to do that at regional level. You know, he, he did it at Wales A, Wales under twenties, then came through, and he was a, it was a bit of a long, slow burn with him at the Blues. But he has done that at senior level now, at regional level. Can he do it at international level? It's a big big test because at international level kicking is probably even more important again tactical kicking we, you know we saw the importance of it last week so we don't know to be honest all you can say is what you've seen of him in the games you have seen and he's a hugely talented young man confident young man now he's developed a real confidence about it a bit of a swagger to the way he plays the game and we're not going to find out any other way than playing him are we well this game is perfect for that isn't it same as it is for Owen Lane let's, let's form in and have a look at him Okay, then moving on to scrum half. Uh, what are we thinking there? Thomas Williams, obviously, we don't quite know his injury uh, there's situation. Only, only one bloke being picked, and that's Ali Davis. They're going to have to uh, uh, um, look after uh, Gaz Davis, and uh, Ali Davis has done quite well off the bench, so I think he's worth an opportunity. I'm writing off to Thomas Williams for this match because of his uh, injury. They said he'd be a couple of weeks getting over that shoulder. He banged in training. So uh, Ali, Ali Davis, he's, he's quite inter- he's interested in me. I thought he's come off the bench and he's brought tempo to the game. He hasn't dithered with the ball and the other boys seem to be able to play off him quite well. Um, I'm, really in, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do if he gets a start in, uh, at number nine because he, he, you know, that Wales... That Wales jersey, I suppose, is Gaz Davis's to lose. But, uh, you know, uh, 
could be someone else could uh, nick it off him. So how, uh, how concerning is it if Thomas Williams goes to the World Cup with no games under his belt? Well, I'm interested to know as well whether there is a kind of a backup plan here, you mm. know, because it's gone on a little while now. We haven't seen Thomas play. Um, bangs the shoulder, especially for a scrum half, can be a difficult thing. So I, I'd be interested to know who we're not allowed to mention Reese Webb here, but I'll be interested to know who <laughs> just did. <laughs> I just did. Well done. I mean, Clever way. I, I really hope Thomas makes it though because he offers something slightly different. He's a, he's such a sniper, so quick off the mark, um, real threat around the fringes of his running game. Different, slightly different way than Gareth Davis is, and yeah, he's. Um, uh, unfortunately, because Thomas got injured and he played in France, that that game in France scored a try and he's it was quick. taken off he's just so quick point yeah. try. But then, unfortunately, because he, he had another injury, didn't he? Didn't mm. Six Nations that shoulder at yeah. that time as well, like, and so we didn't see enough of him. Uh, you know, so Wales still go and make a judgment on him. So in the ideal world, he'd be playing in this match or away against uh, Ireland. Jury's still out on him. Uh, you know, to me, it looks like he could be a top test prospect, but we haven't seen enough of him. Yeah, I mean, telling that they did start the Six Nations with him, didn't they? Which shows how much they think mm. of him. Rob Howley's been a big admirer for a number of years, as I understand it. And yeah. uh, I've seen a lot. Yes, of I have. I in- <laughs> <laughs> so I like it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I've seen a lot of him in the Blues. And uh, yeah, he's an exciting player, given any kind of space at all. Uh, so quick off the mark as well. And uh, it, he's, he's one of those players who've just seen improve, improve, improve as the time has gone on. So I really hope he can come through this. Mm. It'd be a lovely surprise if he was involved this week and next weekend. If, if yeah. he is ruled out of the World Cup before departure, then of course Wales in a quandary. Do they go for Lloyd Williams, tried and trusted Lloyd Williams, or Rodri Williams, or, does Warren, Gat- or does Warren Gatlin plead the WIU chief executive, Martin Phillips, to relent and allow him? Uh, call up I think the answer would be no if he asked and I, and the guy I wouldn't mind seeing being mentioned is Kieran Hardy I thought he was outstanding for the Scarlets last season really good all round game uh, came along so well and made a big impact for them and uh, yeah big admirer of him alright back on to uh, task then loose head prop I assume Wynne Jones is ahead of the queue here well I've got Wynne Jones here because I think you know he's done a lot of service off the bench Always made decent contribution. I think he deserves a start, you know. So I personally would have Win Jones there. Um, give Nicky Smith obviously a rest. He's played the yeah. first two games. When I uh, I checked on Rob Evans's fitness with the Welsh management this week, uh, where they described it was he he was coming back from a shoulder problem oh, no, and then problem. picked up a bit of a neck mm. issue as well. Then um, out in Switzerland, so you not know it's coming need. on. Coming not what on. you need as a loose end, though. Yeah, it's not that nature. whole area. So mm. he's coming on developing. I mean, we don't know whether this game's going to be too soon, but I think we're probably working on the basis it might be. Um, so I would. I think Wynne Jones starting and with a little cameo for Mr Carey John Lur Carey as Andy's been calling him uh, one for older readers there um, and, and is, there a, is there a decision to be made between starting Carey and Wynne Jones here I'd start with him because I, I unlike Simon Oof. I don't reward I wouldn't reward players for just bench you know for the service they've done in the past <laughs> on the bench I think Wynne Jones know all about him he's good enough to go to the World Cup Rhys Carey we don't know about him at this level Scrum has been work in progress with Cardiff Blues, but he offers so much in the loose as a big ball carrier, which Wales are lacking. 
Could there be a possibility of him going as a boat there? But to do that, he really needs to start a test match and prove the other strands of his game are there. If he started against Ireland and had a big game, I would not, knowing the way Gatlin operates, I would not discount Carey going to the World Cup. But I don't see any point in him really being on a bench and coming on for the final 30 minutes. I think you can find out more about players by starting uh, with them. So, you know, Wales have lost that, uh, uh, lost that winning record. Uh, uh, of you know chasing the world record for the uh, uh, going for the uh, record for the most wins in world rugby, they've lost that. So in one sense, the result against Ireland, especially if it's mix and match teams, doesn't matter so much. So why not put him in? I suppose part of the, the thinking might be just how inexperienced is he, ready and willing to go in that front row. Because I look at the rest of my front row. I mean, I've got down here Elliot D and Dylan, Dylan Lewis. You see, mm. so if you've got those two in Reese Carey, that is a very inexperienced show. Win Jones, although he isn't got a huge amount of caps on, he's, he's got more years in the in the bank. Um, listen, I'm a massive admirer of, of Reese Carey. Mm. You know, whenever he, he was involved with the Blues last season, there was a bit of a you know, there was a bit of an impact from him, and you know, he is the kind of bloke who can grab the game. It's carry by name, carry by nature. I mean, at a time in which Wales are probably a little bit short of forward carriers, that certainly, particularly in the game as Twickenham, we saw that he certainly offers that. He's got the ability to take the ball cause dents in defences and make guards and he's got this pace to go away as and he, he's there aren't people of his size 20 stone plus 6 foot 3 they do not grow on trees for front row forwards in Wales and if he does get an opportunity and get the ball in hand he will make an impact and he's the kind of player who like fans will notice because it, he does stand out when you see him play but when you see a big huge man like that charging up field it gets noticed uh, so I, I've got I mean yeah. Saracens know what they're doing I think they, yeah. they, if Saracens come in for you you've got us something about you yeah. I've yeah. gone for a slightly different front row we've gone for we've got the same up going earlier D yeah. I think I think it's a, you know Ken Owens is first choice World Cup similar as that but looking how Gatlin's been uh, using Elliot D, he's clearly the backup reserve hooker. I think it's time though that Elliot started. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look at him starting rather than coming off the bench. But to to uh, accommodate Carry in my team, I've gone for Samson Lee. He's had his hamstring problem, but he has been training in Turkey. You see him; uh, he's been running around and everything. Samson needs to prove his fitness, so he needs a game. But of course, he's a better uh, uh, scrummager than uh, Dylan Lewis. So Carry would benefit from being in potentially a stronger front row then. Yeah, I think you couldn't have Dylan Lewis and uh, and Carey in, in the same front row starting. Uh, but if you've got Samson in there as the cornerstone of that uh, scrum, it would uh, you know make it a bit easier for I mean, Carey. The, the problem is we just don't know on Samson, do we? In the same way, we're not sure about Rob Evans' situation. Mm. And, but yeah, certainly I'd agree... You, Samson hasn't played a lot of rugby. You need to see him well, out there because it's not so long ago he was very much Wales's first choice tight end. He's been overtaken in that uh, respect by Thomas Francis amid injury issues and maybe some form issues. So, yeah, and it, it, it he's been bedeviled. If you think about it, like going back to the last World Cup, he, he only just made that after a serious... Um, uh, I think it was Achilles wasn't it he ruptured his Achilles against Ireland and it was a big battle to get fit and he, he does seem to have had injury issues for the last three or four years it, it'd be a big bonus for me if they could get him fit and get him up on the pitch because at his best he's a, he's a quality quality tight end yeah I think while there's a necess, 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 well, necessary while, yeah that's it for him to play Rob Evans you've got to protect him because Rob Evans to me is a key man in our world starting line up at the World Cup yeah. big games I think he's that good a player alright so, then moving into the second row what uh, what are we thinking here Alan Wind Jones presumably is nowhere to be seen in a big big bowl of cotton wool he'll be in um, 
The one again, and again, this comes back to injuries, and we're not quite sure. It would be good to see Corey Hill out in the rugby field. He's not played since the game against England where he scored yeah. the try. Um, he had the foot problem. We kind of thought he'd be back in times of the start of the warmest. That hasn't worked out. We're still not quite clear, but I mean, it'd be great to see him back in the field. So I've got him down at four. But obviously, there's the caveat of not knowing whether he's going to be fit. So I've got next to that Jake Ball. Now, Jake, uh, you know, he, he looked in such a he's such a struggle. In yeah. fair, fair play to him. I mean, other injuries, he soldiered on for pretty much the whole of that game. Um, it was good to know that it was just a dead leg. You know, it's just a dead. Leg. Obviously, it hurts. You know, mm-hmm. and it debilitates. But it, it wasn't anything more serious. So you know, Ball could get another go there. And then I've got Adam Beard in at five. Hopefully, he'll be back over. Well, no hill. Well, no, I start with uh, Hill and Beard with, ah, right. with, 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 the, with the caveat that maybe Hill might not be ready. Yeah, well, I've gone for Ball and Hill because I think Ball needs uh, another one who needs more uh, game time. Thought he did well against England. Uh, so give him a chance. Beard, of course, has had a knock as well. So I'd also have him wrapped in Cottonwell. He's going to the World Cup. We know what he can do. Corey Hill, underrated player for Wales. Uh, I think he's, a, you know, he's been a leader. Gatlin thinks a lot of him. Calls the line-out, sings. He was excellent against England, excellent in Argentina last summer, but he needs game time. He, he did an interview during the England game, actually, and he said he hoped to be back in a couple of weeks, which suggests he'd be playing this game, and uh, I would make him captain for this match, as he was last summer. I think it'd be uh, a big boost if he is, because, you know, obviously, Alan, Alan Wynn, you need to keep him he, He's a very back. skillful player. And he offers something in terms of his ability to serve as a first receiver with the ball going then round the back to the back he's done that a lot for Wales over the last year and also his leadership that's a big big factor he's, that's something that he's really sort of revered for within this Welsh squad for his line of calling as well and I think they would want him in the mix because when you've got that Alan Wynn definitely starting and then a, a real nice sort of battle with Beard Hill and Ball that's a strong position to be in mm. All right, then moving into the uh, into the back row we go. This is where things do get a little bit tricky because Wales are not exactly in a position to protect uh, some of their front line players here. So, uh, and what are we what are we thinking at blindside? Because Wainwright's obviously played a lot of games, a lot of game time in the last uh, last sort of three weeks, and has performed very well, but presumably needs some sort of protection. Yeah, I'd be resting him. I'd definitely start with Aaron Shingler. You know, missed the all of last season, recovering from a knee injury. Came on at uh, Twickenham and looked a bit rusty. Uh, came on half-time for Wainwright, actually, uh, in the Principality Stadium and was a lot better mm. in our second half. Look, yeah. like growing into it, look, a lot more uh, his old self and uh, he needs game time. Uh, because of his lack of activity last season, of course he's a you know he's a, a lineup option, excellent in the air, an athlete, blindside flanker, you know, but he's what Wales looking for. I know the the Wales management loved loved him two seasons ago. They thought he was fantastic, was a big pl- major plus point. So yeah, the more minutes he gets under his belt, the better. So uh, you know, give him his uh, first start since that serious uh, knee injury. So, the thing with Shingler, I mean. The absolute key factor with him is line-up work. He was the go-to man prior to his, you know, very serious knee injury last year. And if you look at the way things are going now, line-out, you come under pressure in particular areas, you look for something different. Last weekend, Wainwright, first half, they went to him time and time again. Wainwright goes off, Shingler goes on. Come to him time and time again. 
that kind of option of a non-main jumper who can be your main jumper, if you see what I mean. And especially, you know, if you would have sort of Hill and, and Ball maybe starting or Hill and Beard, to have that other option of, of Shingler. You say anybody's height, Andy, he's a, he's a tall, tall man, Aaron Shingler, and yeah, he, yeah, yeah. In, reasonably light for someone of his height. Great, he's actually taller than Corey Hill. Great to get up in the air. And uh, what encouraged me was against England at Twickenham, he did look, you know, somebody who was what he was someone who hadn't played for over a year and he got knocked by him and one in particular someone Lewis Ludlam or something flying backwards but he was he was more like himself in the rematch and Gatlin said himself he will get better with more game time which certainly points to him starting at six and then we move to the open side Andy it's a bit of an interesting one there as well I'd give James Davis another goal but only if he's ready only obviously he, well, yeah. obviously he's got a pass of fitness if he's, he had a concussion and probably he, you know, he's, he would have a fortnight to recover weeks, yeah. and uh, if he gets through those protocols give him another goal I mean Tipperich I don't think we need to play Tipperich in this match um, you know he's a, he'd had a knock then he twisted an ankle against England at Twickenham give it plenty of time to recover though he looks to be training alright mind in Turkey but uh, we know what Justin Tippish can do and how important he could become the World Cup so let's give J- James Davis uh, another chance to see if he can force his way into that uh, into that uh, into contention to go to go in the, in the back row the, so. in- the interesting thing for me there is if James Davis isn't right you know and uh, you never know with concussion issues how long they can linger on and that does start to leave us a little bit shy in numbers mm. in the back row because it would mean that either Wainwright or, or, or Moriarty or Tipperick plays. Um, well, what I'm saying, if Tipperick, realistically, you'd think Tipperick would then start. Yeah. So you're going to have a situation where Wainwright and Moriarty, who started the first two games, might have to be on the bench. So mm. it would be a bonus in terms of like rotation and freshness if we could, if James Davis could be fit for the team and obviously for himself as well. Yeah. Well, I had uh, I had Tipperick starting in my. My side um, with Josh Navidi at number eight. So. I think Navidi yeah, has to start at number eight because um, he's realistically um, the other option there. Wainwright could play there, but he, I mean, he hasn't played a lot with rugby at eight. Uh, Josh has played a lot there for Cardiff. Moriarty's played two, you know, chunky games of rugby now. He could do with a break. Navidi has only had uh, fifty-seven minutes, or you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. Well, he just, just fitted in as though he'd never been away. After five months right out to, right, produce a, away. to produce a performance like that, straight off the bat, wins a, wins a penalty over the ball after a couple of minutes. Crucial clear out for the try a few minutes late. Incredible performance and showed that you has to be in the Wales back row somewhere, to him, in my mind. And now we try him at eight, which is a position he knows how to cover and he brings a dynamism off the back of the scrum there with his pace. And, you know, he's someone who always carries way above his weight. So I think, you know, he's nailed on to play number eight. Yeah, yeah the, the other thing at number eight as well is Wales clearly need to have an alternative to, um, to Moriarty with no Faletel going to the World Cup in case something and to add. And toward happens to Moriarty, and he wouldn't hurt either for Navidi to put a bit of pressure on him. Could Shingler be an option at eight on certain times as well? Well, you'd always switch it round, can't mm. you? Different positions, you know, who's going to carry off the back of the scrum? Kind of pierce, pierce time, number eight, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, nowadays, to be honest, the number eight is a bit different to what it used to be because you don't tend to get many scrums in matches. It's not like the old days when you might have 40 scrums, so you've got number eight who's going to be picking up a lot. Very often now, there might only be six, seven, eight, nine, ten matches. So these the back rowers, don't they? Now are more intertwined, if you like. They can all carry, you know, um, do each other's jobs. All right, then. So I think we'll. Uh, I've been listening to to you both go back and forth on this, and uh, I've decided to do my own thing, basically. So um, you ignoring us now? I'm going to just yeah, take it on to much, yeah. thoughts on Warren. <laughs> <laughs> no. So this is the side that we've gone for then. Um, 
these are the final decisions I've made because I'm the boss. Uh, Lee Halfpenny at fullback with Owen Lane and Hallam Amos on the wings. Uh, Scott Williams and Owen Watkin in the centres with Scott at 13. Uh, Jared Evans at fly half with Alan Davis at scrum half. And then we've got a front row of Reese Carey, uh, Elliot D and Samson Lee. Uh, second row pairing of Corey Hill and Adam Beard with a back row of Aaron Shingler, James Davis and Josh Navidi. That's my team. No, they're not. <laughs> That's so, your team. No, you're so, not. Funny. So, you were yeah. <laughs> yeah. lucky Adam Beard's in. Because I thought, oh, Matt, you know, he's just... Uh, he, uh, Utilise my superior knowledge. No, so there it is. So that's the side. So you haven't got to bother waiting until Thursday. That's the team that's going to face Ireland. So that's that's a, a shortened week for you. Um, the question is, what Ireland team will be out? That's the other interesting well, bit. Well, uh, it, they've got agreement. I'm not sure So it'll be <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. an Ireland are picking. Apart from Sexton, who's got another injury, they're fully loaded this weekend. Virtually against England, so, so they don't know oh, you right, play those yeah, boys. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. so mix and match in both ways. Then, yeah, probably. there you go. So uh, obviously, I'm joking. There is a Wales squad announcement coming up next week. It's a weekend off for Warren Gatland's side as they're out in Turkey on their training camp. I'm sure you've seen the pictures coming back from there. But next week, we're back into our full test week ahead of the Wales versus Ireland match in Cardiff. And of course, you can follow all the latest by listening to the Welsh Rugby podcast and following it on Wales Online.